0: You're listening to the Hippie Haven Podcast. I'm Callie, and it's my life mission to empower you with the tools and resources you need to spark positive change in your community. Just over three years ago, I started Bestowed Essentials, which has now grown to be South Dakota's largest handmade soap company, and we also make a variety of other beauty and cleaning products. Bestowed Essentials has been recognized by FedEx as one of their top 100 small businesses for two years in a row. In December 2019, my team and I opened Hippie Haven, a zero-waste store and community space in Rapid City, South Dakota, with an online shop as well, and of course I host this Hippie Haven podcast. If you're new here, I release an episode every Wednesday, which you can get instantly downloaded to your phone for easy listening by subscribing to this podcast on any of the major podcasting apps. The show notes and full transcript for every episode are available on my website, hippiehavenpodcast.com. You can also learn more about me on the website or by following along on Instagram at Shop. Here at Hippie Haven, we've been making the most of this unexpected downtime since temporarily closing our store by finally starting a YouTube channel. Our Rapid City team, which currently includes myself, Cheska, and Hannah, are now making video content for you to learn how to reduce your impact on the planet, make DIY zero-waste products, and see behind the scenes at both of our Earth-conscious companies. Check out our videos and subscribe now by clicking the YouTube link in the show notes of your podcasting app. Subscribing to our new channel is a free and incredibly easy way to help our small business during these difficult times. And as always, thank you for supporting the work we do. My guest today is Jennifer Stenzis. She is the marketing and communications coordinator for Feeding South Dakota. She's been working there since 2008 and is responsible for the implementation of Feeding South Dakota's marketing and public relation initiatives, coordinating statewide communication efforts to inform the media, donors, community leaders, policymakers, and other stakeholders about issues and policies affecting Feeding South Dakota's hunger relief efforts. Today we talk about the differences between food banks and food pantries, what is food insecurity, signs of childhood hunger, how COVID-19 has impacted food banks, and how we can help. So let's get started. Jennifer, what is Feeding South Dakota and who is it that you serve?
1: Feeding South Dakota is the state's largest hunger relief organization. Um, We are a member agency in the Feeding America network of food banks, of which there are 200 across the country, and um, our mission is to end hunger in 66 counties of South Dakota, which is all counties of South Dakota.
0: How is it, how how do you work towards that mission? What are the projects that, that you guys do?
1: Well, we have, a, we have five different program areas that we work with um, to help end hunger in South Dakota. Uh, and I can go through each of those five. Um, the first one is, is of course food banking, which is our largest program, but most often it's the least understood program that we have. Um, because we are in that network with Feeding America, it gives us access to a larger manufactured product that we can then, that's donated, that we can bring into South Dakota. And we bring that in and then make that available to our agency partners then that we work with in all of our counties to ensure that those local folks are getting access to good nutritious food. And we currently are working with about 275 different agencies across the state. Um, Our second program that we have is food pantries. We have one in Rapid City and one in Sioux Falls. It's not typical for a food bank to also um, operate a food pantry, but that's just kind of the, the historical difference we have in South Dakota of how we all got started. Um, and so it, that we, through the food pantries, then we serve um, individuals and families directly. And so in the case of Rapid City, um, they can come to the facility once every 60 days and then receive an emergency supply of food. that should last their family about three to five days. Um, Of course, right now as COVID um, is very present in the community, our pantries are closed, which is an unprecedented event that's never happened before. So we just um, have worked to find a different method of distribution to continue to feed our families that would visit us. Um, And then our third program then would be mobile food pantries, which um, is what we've been really focusing our efforts on during this time. Uh, is just finding more communities to offer mobile distributions to. Um, Specifically in Rapid City, we've we've done a lot of changes to accommodate the growing need and uh, working to maintain some sustainability for the next 6 to 12 months or so. So we were doing 13 neighborhood distributions, but with the influx of so many individuals and families that were in need, whether that was due to furlough, job loss, um, decrease in hours being offered by their employers. What we did was to centralize those distributions into one weekly distribution on Wednesdays at the fairgrounds. And this has really given us an opportunity to be more efficient with our staff, uh, really take advantage of the volunteers that we have access to, and then um, just to maintain a safe and orderly distribution method so that our guests stay safe, um, as, along with our staff and our volunteers. Um, our third program would be our backpack, or fourth program would be our backpack program. Um, and I'm thinking a lot of people know a lot about our program, but um, this one focuses on children in the community. And the fact that there are, you know, one in six children in South Dakota who are food insecure. And how do we Um, how do we handle child hunger so that um, kids have access to food? This program's been around for uh, a long time, probably it's been more than 12 years, um, and really has given kids an opportunity to have food over the weekends and longer holidays, um, so that when they come back to school on Monday morning, they're um, ready to to learn, ready to concentrate, um, really to be a good student, Um, and not worry about the fact that their stomach is hungry. You know, they haven't had any food over the weekend. Um, So they're ready and prepared for school. Uh, The backpack program right now is not operating um, because of schools being closed. Um, And so we're just hoping to reach those children through our mobile food distributions. And then last we offer, or we administer two different commodity programs from the USDA. Uh, the TFAT program and then the CSFP, which is most commonly referred to as the senior, excuse me, the senior box. Um, That one we do in Sioux Falls. Uh, I believe there's another agency in Rapid City that administers the CSFP program there, but really focusing on individuals and seniors um, that don't have access to um, nutritious foods that live on on a very limited budget.
0: I wanted to, to clarify, what is the difference between a food bank and a food pantry? Because I feel like those terms are often used interchangeably when they, they probably mean two different things.
1: They do very much mean two different things. Um, food banking is the process in which we're working with larger manufacturers, um, local grocery stores, um, um, other food banks too. We, we have access to foods where we're bringing that into South Dakota and then what we do with that then is make it available to our agency partners, which would be um, like the, like it could be senior centers, senior centers, it could be um, after school programming for children, uh, homeless shelters, um, houses in which there's transition houses, but really working with agencies to distribute that product to their folks in need. Versus our food pantry program is we're serving directly to individuals and families. It's kind of like we we have our own agency kind of in that. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes okay. sense. Okay. Now you also mentioned and this is just such a heartbreaking statistic. You mentioned that one in six children here in South Dakota are facing food insecurity. What is food insecurity? What does that mean?
1: Well, food insecurity is described as, you know, not having consistent, there's a lot of different um, ways of describing it, but not having enough access to nutritious foods to maintain a healthy lifestyle. So, you know, versus I'm hungry today, you know, and I may have to wait a few hours for my meal. um, Food insecurity is really looking at your long range, um, looking long term and not knowing when you're going to have enough resources to, um, to have provide your, you or yourself, you know, healthy, nutritious foods on a consistent basis.
0: And for people who, um, perhaps not, not right now, because a lot of people are staying home, but for, for people who are often in in contact with children outside of their own homes, whether that's, you know, teachers or or healthcare professionals or daycare providers or, or any type of, of, um, job like that, what are the possible signs of childhood hunger to, to look out for, to know if, if a child is in need of these resources?
1: You know, I, I, I want to give an example. Um, one day I was at my child's elementary school and I was standing in the office and it was right before school watching all of the kids coming in. And then there was, you know, a certain amount of kids that were coming in tardy. And then there was this one girl And she walked in, um, she was real slow, looked real tired, and she walked up to get her slip from the secretary. And, um, so as in writing that slip, the, the, the secretary looked at her and she said, honey, have you had something to eat today? And the child shook her head. No, she didn't say anything, but it was, it was the, it was a moment in time for me when I realized these um, school teachers and counselors and secretaries and staff and admin are—they are really looking out for those kids that chronically are coming to school not having been fed and not having anything to eat over the weekend. And they're—I think—they're just hard on this question. So when you see a child struggling in school, whether it's with their behavior or whether they've been sick a lot, um, mood swings, uh, just to keep on a watch out for these children and and. And a lot of times, you know, when you're hungry, you get angry, you know, when you're, when you're sick all the time, looking at what is the child been eating? Is there enough nutritious foods there to maintain a healthy life? And um, so I think just looking out for those, those types of things like the mood swings and the tiredness, and um, you know, if they've been sick a lot, um, just to see if, if that might be something that could be the cause for concern.
0: I know this is just such an unprecedented time with the the COVID nineteen pandemic, and so many children are out of school right now. And there's um, the 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 huge concern about the accessibility of online school, and you know there's many children who don't have. Um, solid Wi-Fi, if Wi-Fi at all, or perhaps they don't have a computer. Um, but I know for so many children, myself included when I was a kid, so many children rely on school as their breakfast and their lunch. And uh, you mentioned that the, the, back, the backpack program currently isn't operational because of the pandemic. Um, what resources are, are being provided, if any, right now in our South Dakota community um, to get food to the kids who who would normally be getting it at school but aren't right now.
1: You know what I've seen during this pandemic has been amazing communities coming together to take care of their people, and it really did start with um, with the notion that school would not be in session that that third week of March. Um, there is. If I can speak specifically for Sioux Falls for what we noticed here, um, is that restaurants came together, um, Other, all of these different places came together to make sure those kids had a sack lunch. And I assume those same things were happening in Rapid City as well. The stores came together, the grocery stores, and they were all focused on kids. But when school closed then indefinitely, um, I think all of those feeding opportunities just expanded. And um, the 211 Helpline Center has been a great resource that we have um, given to our families and to those that we serve to make sure that they're calling because um, they, they're the state's largest database of available resources um, for anything really for those in need, whether it's um, food, it could be you know help paying your rent during this difficult time, it could be you know, finding the daycares, it could be suicide prevention. Um, but the 2 in one just catalogs all of those great opportunities that came to light to help feed people. Um, so I, I know that there's just uh, amazing generosity in our state, along with those in Rapid City that are, are, are taking care of their own people.
0: Uh, I, I would reckon that a decent majority of, of your donations come from grocery stores. Would that be reasonable?
1: It is. We have a a great retail grocery pickup program um, with our local folks um, all across the state. And we really encourage um, the grocery stores to look at that product that they might be throwing away and uh, make that available to our organization that we can redistribute it quickly. I know that we have um, retail pickups with Target, um, let's see, Safeway, and you have family, is it family fair?
0: hmm yep.
1: And so a lot of these grocery stores really understand that, that notion of you know, not being wasteful and knowing that we can capture that food and distribute it to our families that we serve very quickly.
0: Is this something that the the grocery stores reach out to you or maybe to Feeding America as a whole and it's the, the grocery stores who are doing it or is there, you know, is there somebody on your staff whose job it is to cultivate these partnerships? How does that process work?
1: All, all answers are yes to your questions. <laughs> it really started um, with Feeding America about 12 to 13 years ago with um, a conversation with, I think one of the first partners was Walmart. Knowing that there was so much waste happening at that store level and that we could capture food that's nearing its best if used by, used by date and redistribute it to our families in need. Um, it was a very, very long process. It took years to get um, you know, all, of the, all of the protocols put in place to make sure that the food was being handled safely. Um, that the food banks that, were, that have these partnerships were following all of those um, guidelines. Um, and that when it came back to the food bank facilities, it was being handled correctly and stored correctly. Um, so it was, it was a very lengthy process, but once we had Walmart um, on board with the help of Feeding America, we were able to take those same concepts and introduce it to additional grocery stores and, and um, larger uh, franchise type opportunities. Um, and so through that, we get a large portion of our product weekly, the, the fresh produce, um, the breads and the pastries, some non-perishable items too, we're able to capture that and give it to our families.
0: Can you shed some light on, on those guidelines? I know there's so much confusion for consumers about best buy versus sell by versus used by. So for food banks, what does that look like for you guys? Are, are you able to, um, to distribute food that's past any of those dates or is that like a really strict rule for you guys?
1: That's a really great question. You know, all of those dates that you mentioned really it just depends on the manufacturer, and it depends on um, you know what their coding systems look like. So, what one manufacturer might say is a best if used by another one. Another uh, manufacturer would be completely indescript code. You would never be able to know even what it was. Um, it's just messages to the manufacturer. So, for the consumer what we want our consumers to know, or the people that we're serving or our supporters is that we follow the USDA handling guidelines that you can find on their website. Um, and it's um, it, it gives us guidelines for every different type of food um, to know whether it's shelf stable or if it's a perishable type item, how long it can uh, keep uh, into where it's no longer to be used. And so, um, it's the foodkeeper app on USCA. Um, and then we what we always say, you know, if in doubt, if you're thinking about giving a donation, maybe you're cleaning out your cupboards and there's some um, items that you had on hand that you did make a recipe for. You know, if in doubt, surely donate it. But we have we train our volunteers to know to look for those dates and to follow um, that foodkeeper app to, to make sure that it's um, not too much past it's expired or best if you'd by date.
0: What does Feeding South Dakota do with donations that are unusable?
1: Um, unusable, at this point, they're trashed out. Uh, we just monitor the, the weight of that. And um, I'm not sure if we have any um, partnerships with, I you know in the past we've had um, farmers or you know, we were given breads to or something, um, but I think we just throw it away. Mm. Yeah, it's it's so unfortunate.
0: There's there's not really any large scale composting or anything like that here in South Dakota. Definitely a need right. that we have in this community. Um, what um, what are some good guidelines for people who want to donate food? What are things that maybe you see get donated a lot that you you really can't use or that that maybe people don't actually really want or mm-hmm. um, things that you need more of or one more thing that, that just came to mind from from having volunteered at a food bank in the past is that not all food banks just are, are exclusive to food that they can oftentimes take like um, some personal care products and that sort of thing does feeding South Dakota take personal care products as well
1: at times we do offer those um, products only if it becomes available through the network Um, and through the Feeding America Network, but really we do try to focus our mission on ending hunger in South Dakota. And when we're asking for food donations, what we we just try to keep that as basic as we can and ask people, you know, what are you buying to fill your food pantry at home? What does your family like to eat? And those are the same types of food that we like to offer to our food, to our families that come visit our food pantry. So things like Uh, shelf-stable meals, you know, when we get back into uh, what we consider normal times everyone's busy and we always like to have you know like in my family for instance i want to have you know some dry pasta in my pantry some spaghetti sauce uh, maybe we have a few cans of tuna and some food helpers to make a really fast meal but those are really great items along with uh, peanut butter and jelly to make quick sandwiches uh, cereals canned vegetables soups really great to have um But realizing that those items will have um, a a longer shelf-stable life than, you know, let's say produce and those things where we do have that, you know, this just gives you a little bit longer um, period of time where you know that you'll have access to some foods.
0: What um, is more impactful for feeding South Dakota? Would it be food donations or monetary donations? What are you guys able to to do uh, a bigger impact with?
1: right good question right now we're asking for monetary donations primarily and the reason for that is because uh with every dollar donated we can provide three meals and and oftentimes people say how in the world do you do that well that's really where that feeding american network comes into play that the product that we have access to is primarily donated product, and so we're just paying um, the shipping costs and the handling costs to transport it to South Dakota and then redistribute it. Um, and so, for uh, for such a, it just makes so much more sense to be able to ask for donations during this time because we're we've nearly probably tripled our our output and people that we're serving and the pounds of food that we're serving. Um, It just makes more sense to bring in truckloads of quantity of products versus um, having you stop at the grocery store and pick up a few extra items and and deliver that.
0: For our listeners in, in South Dakota, how can we support feeding South Dakota? Are there volunteer opportunities? Where can we go to make monetary donations? What do you guys need right now and how can we best help you?
1: Right, so I think that you know, speaking for across the entire state, we just need volunteers right now, first and foremost, to make sure that the food that we're bringing in, we have uh, people there to put it together into emergency boxes. Um, it could be bags of food as well, but there's so much work that goes into these distributions. We really couldn't do what we do without them. Um, so it, to volunteer, you can go to feedingsouthdakota.org and click on Donate Time. You'll see our our calendars in here in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, and you can pick any volunteer shift that works in your schedule. Um, and then um, also as far as uh, monetary donations, we just encourage people to consider, you know, if you have excess um, and uh, and you have the gift of, of money to give, we appreciate all donations. Everything helps, um, but really the, the monetary donations is what we really need right now.
0: And for people who are interested in in volunteering, what um, guidelines or processes do you currently have in place um, to to make that a, a safe process to do so?
1: That's a really good question, too. You know, we're following all CDC guidelines. Um, We're asking our our folks that come to volunteer to make sure they check their temperatures before they come. Um, And if there's a notion that there's a fever, um, maybe we'll just ask you to come on a different day. Um, We're also having our volunteers wash hands often, wearing gloves, um, asking volunteers to bring their own facial coverings with, um, making sure they stay six feet apart in, in all situations where we can. Um, and just being mindful of you know, good hand washing practices and when soap and water aren't available to use um, uh, hand sanitizers too. So we're, we're doing the best we can to make sure that we're keeping everyone who's here as safe as possible.
0: Wonderful. And my last question for you, Jennifer, we have so many listeners all over the U.S. and and even in various places around the world. So what can we as individuals do to help fight food insecurity in our own communities, no matter where that is?
1: I think the best way that uh, anyone really can fight food insecurity um, is to just give, you know, whether that's your time your, your resources or your talents, to just think of, of those who are less fortunate. Think of those that are sitting down to maybe less than what you have tonight for dinner. Um, think of those that aren't having the dinner that you're having tonight and think about how you can help and whether that's a food drive. Um, maybe you're just uh, an advocate on our behalf. Um, maybe you're... Um, you're bringing your church group to volunteer, whatever it is. I think there's so many different ways that people can get involved um, and to just think of those with, that that just aren't having um, uh, good nutritious meals, um, you know, and what that must mean to them. And what would you do if you were in their position? So um, I think there's just little bits, um, no matter how old you are, no matter who you are, there's little bits everybody can do to help. That is
0: an amazing message to leave with. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time and your experience. And thank you for, for doing this as your career. Thank you for dedicating your life to fighting this. We really appreciate you and your team and the entire Feeding America Network. And that's a wrap. Now it's time to take action. Based on what we learned from today's episode, I recommend looking for opportunities to get involved in your community, whether that's volunteering time, donating money, or simply cooking a meal for a neighbor in need. For further impact, see if you can get a friend or family member to join you. Remember, knowledge is power, so if you learned something from today's episode, share it with someone you know who'd also benefit from this free resource. If you share the podcast on social media, don't forget to tag and follow me at Hippie Haven Shop so that I can repost it. I'll be back next Wednesday with an episode about eating plant-based on a budget. This podcast is produced with the help of my communications coordinator, Ray Lynn, who also runs our Hippie Haven Facebook group, which if you haven't already joined, definitely hop over to Facebook, search Hippie Haven in the groups tab and join our private community of fellow hippies making a difference in our communities. You can also support our work here at Hippie Haven by leaving a review for the podcast in whichever app you're using to listen or buy us a virtual cup of coffee to keep us going. Visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash hippiehaven to support the work we do. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you have a great rest of your day.